Hi, you're listening to Mike Lochran on the Management Perspectives podcast. Please follow me on LinkedIn and Twitter, where I publish all of my podcasts and blogs. Hi, my name is Mike Lochran, and this is the Management Perspectives podcast. In this show, we'll be discussing digital transformation within the context of the tyre production sector. And I'm delighted to be joined by my colleagues, John Woods and Jordan Reynolds, who are going to be sharing insights from a recent presentation they gave um, on this very topic at Hanover Messer in May. John, Jordan, would you like to introduce yourselves to the listeners? Sure. My name's yeah, John Woods. I'm a principal in Calypso and uh, do a lot of work in Industry 4.0 around the tire sector and other industrials. Great to be here. Yeah, and I'm Jordan Reynolds. I'm based in Austin, Texas. I lead Calypso's data science and artificial intelligence organization. Um, also uh, quite experienced within the, the, the tire sector in particular, where a lot of these technologies are beginning to take shape. Um, happy to be here. Thanks both. The future's already here, and it's not uh, just not evenly distributed, William Gibson famously said. Uh, and that aphorism fits neatly with the current state of tire production. As the manufacturing industry at large drives forward in its digitization plans, the production appears to be lagging, um, still overly reliant on manual systems and sometimes lacking the digital skills necessary to succeed in this, this new era. Um, a recent report from Gartner called uh, Hype Cycle for Supply Chain Strategy outlines a potential path towards AI-directed autonomy by 2030. Does the tyre industry have the technological maturity to meet that timeline? John, let's start with that point. As context, can you tell us a little bit more about what the Gartner trends entail? Yeah, no, essentially what it's saying is, is that if you want to get to a place in your manufacturing operations, that you're, you're running autonomously, right? And, and what that basically means is, is that you're uh, applying a certain level of automation, um, but then on top of that, using uh, applied machine learning or other technologies uh, to really bring the power of, commute, of compute uh, to reduce variation, okay, in, in, in any manufacturing operation. And so this, this roadmap, this path to autonomy, then, then has all sorts of benefits. Um, it can optimize, you know, what you've got around uh, how you set up your labor force. Um, it it absolutely will get to the place uh, where, again, you're reducing variation in manufacturing, and so optimizing energy, uh, optimizing your raw material usage, um, optimizing also uh, the efficiency and effectiveness of the physical assets themselves. Uh, but at the core of it, what sits is the idea that to, to get to autonomy, you need to um, already have a basis of automation in your physical process or your uh, any transactional processes that you have. Yeah, I, maybe to expand on some of John's points around the, the roadmap that Gartner outlined. Um, so if you think about, you know, we sit right now somewhere in between the automation phase and the augmentation phase, uh, depending on what industry you, you're in and, 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 the, and, you know, the specific organization. Um, what automation has really been defined as for a long time is the ability to explicitly program a 
computerized system to control a manufacturing process in the absence of human intervention, right? And for a long time, that that control surface has been a PLC, um, and the uh, the control program is is sort of encoded in logic like any other computer program, and it's usually written explicitly by an engineer that understands the laws of physics that govern the manufacturing operation or the ways that inputs translate to outputs, basically that understands like the nature of how to control something and that can, and can express that understanding in the form of explicit code, right? So like other aspects of like the computing uh, domain in general, even outside of industrial automation, this concept of explicit programming is an evolving into a new concept, which, which is machine learning. And, and rather than explicitly defining the rules that control something, you learn those rules automatically through a process of analyzing historical data um, and training a model to sort of derive and, and, and execute the rules on its own, right? So this augmentation phase that follows the automation phase is really a process where we're augmenting traditional automation capabilities that are defined as you know PLCs and explicit uh, uh, programmable logic, augmenting those with self-learning and self-adapting capabilities, right? And then the consequence of those learning and adapting capabilities applied at scale is a sort of age of autonomy in the industrial segment, which is what we're looking at um, uh, being becoming somewhat of the norm in in the 2030s, right? So I think right now our organization is focused on applying that augmentation as deeply and as broadly as we possibly can. I think the tire industry is um, ahead of the game from from an industry standpoint, primarily because they're so focused on like methodological innovation to outpace their competitors that they they tend to invest in these types of things. Um, and we're really beginning to, to see it take shape, and it's really giving us a belief that this will truly happen, um, you know, somewhat, somewhat within the next decade. So that that's interesting because clearly it sounds like within the the tire industry, the competition is driving the adoption of of augmentation because you know I think many many listeners and, and, and many manufacturing companies have embraced automation quite heavily quite heavily but this augmentation i think might be quite new to some people could, could you could you go into a bit more detail about how they're starting to apply that yeah i mean as, essentially you know what you've got across the value chain and the tire manufacturing process is a variety of areas where this is being applied right and so you know we can speak generically about it you know whether it be in mixing in through extrusion um, all the way down through uh, to the final parts of the process, there are areas where you can get this set up and and have it have it run. And as Jordan is saying, essentially what's occurring in the industry is, is that's being undertaken by by a lot of the the players in in the sector. And what's what's key to to this whole piece is what what we're finding that our clients are learning as we're we're going through this journey with them is there they're not only finding huge benefit right in the actual part of the manufacturing process whether that be tire building or, or whether it be in mixing but then there's also the strength um, that you get uh, from doing this across the value chain itself 
being able to look upstream and downstream at different consequences that provide benefit. Um, so, so very, uh, you know, very, very powerful uh, for the industry and for manufacturing um, at present. Yeah. And I, you know, I would say like, like a good thought experiment, if you want to understand the, the barriers that have to be overcome for this to be adopted at scale, it's very, very similar to what we're seeing in, in the autonomous vehicle market at the moment. So you ask yourself the question, you know, what would it take for you to have trust in an algorithm controlling your critical production operations, right? And to deal with the safety and security and profitability concerns that are inherent in that situation, right? What would it take for you to like put your faith in that in a in an algorithm to do all this stuff, right? You know, the first thing is you have to you have to be sure that this system has a very deep attention to detail around safety, around security, around the stability of the system, the resiliency of the system in response to unpredictable disturbances and things like that. So an industrial robustness is key, right? And that's that's a a obstacle for many uh, companies and even even capability providers to overcome. Um, another thing is like you need to have like vertically integrated technology capabilities that stem from the sensor and actuator and device level, right? Like all the way at the bottom of the technology stack, upwards to the you know through the supervisory control level, and then even into you know the the, the planning and business management layer. That sits on top and that might run, you know, in the cloud or some sort of an IT environment, right? You need the ability to understand what's going on, make uh, make predictions, make decisions, and then actuate those decisions back at the physical layer. That's very difficult for a lot of companies to do because it requires this sort of seamless orchestration of hardware, software, physical, and digital system convergence, right? To really do that. Um, you also need a lot of data, and you don't just need any data. You need causally valid data. So if you're if you're actually autonomously controlling a system, it's not enough to just be able to make predictions that are based on correlations. You have to know that you know the variable x controls y, right? You have to causally validate that data. That requires lots of controlled experiments and things like that. And then you know the final thing is you need engineers that have artificial intelligence and data science expertise, right? This is a relatively new phenomenon. Um, you, know, you know, for a long time, the, the engineering discipline was sort of distinct from the computer science discipline. Nowadays, people that are evolving out of the, out of, uh, you know, academic backgrounds are, are coming into the market with both skills. Um, and, but it's a relatively new phenomenon to have both of those capabilities available in a, in a factory context. I'm Mike Lochran, and you're listening to the Management Perspectives Podcast. In this episode, I'm joined by John Woods and Jordan Reynolds of Calypso, and we're discussing the road from automation to autonomy. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's, there's three points there I'd like to maybe delve into a little bit more, because there'll be some of our listeners who are not acutely aware of, of the challenges around the tyre industry and, and what this approach can bring as a benefit and then also certainly it struck me um when, when both you um john and jordan were talking that 
some of this could also be easily applied to other manufacturing industries who require that same architecture, but will also have the same challenges. Again, talking about the the, the workforce effectiveness of data science. So, if we go back to say, what what challenges specifically to tire industry has this helped them overcome? What what this capability does is it removes the bias from the control environment and to a certain extent the process environment and and allows you to manage what could have been you know previously you know variable processes that were open to human interpretation okay and totally change that and and so what that what that means is is that in the areas for example in in mixing right which which you know is is something that requires a lot of knowledge a lot of skill and and there's uh to some extent uh, you know a bit of an an art to it okay data um opens that up and to a certain extent um the data science around that can can really expose some some pretty amazing opportunities um that might not have been considered before you know getting back to what Jordan was talking about, you know, when you've got um, uh, causation, correlation and causation, right? And and so any area where you're able to apply this um, to overcome bias is is massive. And so for us, you know, that's in mixing, um, uh, that's in the splicing of the tires. Okay, for example, um, there's things in extrusion. Okay, that that can be applied just as examples. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think it's really it, it's particularly difficult for all the reasons that John stated, e- even more difficult in tire because tire uh, generally incorporates what's what's what, what's called a hybrid manufacturing process, which means it incorporates elements of batch, continuous process and discrete manufacturing elements, which means, you know, the control systems that you need are are highly variable, right? You have batch processes like mixing and continuous processes like extrusion and then discrete processes like assembly and curing right so it 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 adds it adds for you know creates a lot of diversity of control needs the other thing is you know anytime you're dealing with something like rubber you know something that that um has elasticity and is subject to to change it 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 shrinks and con- uh, expands and contracts as the temperature of the plant varies and it it ages very rapidly. It's very. It makes it very difficult to control, right? Um, so it presents all sorts of interesting production control challenges. That means that you know the average tire manufacturer. If you think about the 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 best possible performance that they could achieve in a given plant, you know they're only something like sixty five percent of that ideal state, right? That's kind of the reality because of just the the number of disturbances in production and quality and then even asset availability right so so what this does is it can help them achieve superior levels of control and consistency which will drive um you know better quality distributions overall better uh you know performance production throughput and performance and then in many cases uh, like higher levels of asset availability and utilization as well so effectively, it's like having three different manufacturing industries in one plant, um, you know, process, 
discrete continuous right many 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 manufacturers will do one of those but they've got all three which yeah really brings that complexity to life and which kind of takes me to point three around that complexity and you also mentioned it you're talking around that skill set and that kind of manual intervention to to get to that 65 percent success rate if you like they must be very highly skilled people how, how do we approach the the role of data science and digitization with people who've probably worked in that industry for a number of years to get the skills that they have oh yeah well that's that's where the perfect what i experience in this and you know working with jordan uh on this as well is that's where you get the perfect match uh or you want to make the perfect match between the the expertise from what we would call the physical um uh the physics and the chemistry of the process whatever it might be and the data scientist because essentially what we do is we we build a team right that has uh, the expertise from the client or in in many instances also from our teams um that that have the industry expertise um and the data scientists and we then focus very much on how the process works um from a physical and chemical perspective and then uh, through uh, an amazingly short period of time, um, you know, it, you know, it kind of ranges between four and eight weeks. The the data scientists are then able to to you you know applying the data. And again, back to to Jordan's point, you've got to have the data. It's critical. You're able to then model this environment and understand what's going on, and understand if you have something. And it it very much represents then what is actually transacting either on a physical chemical basis um, through the process. And um, it, it, it's very, very powerful, but that's the, that's the key, right? Is bringing those two bits of expertise together. Um, and that's when you get the voila moments, uh, you know, uh, should you have, you know, the, the conditions, right? They don't always exist, right? This isn't, this isn't a guaranteed thing every time. Um, but yeah. Yeah, and, and what, what John is describing is um, that a really important modern methodology that's called hybrid modeling that's or, or, or physics-inspired modeling that's getting a lot of attention today, which is you want to start with what you know. You want to capture as much existing knowledge and understanding about a process as possible, right, in the form of logic or even equations or just sort of, you know, tacit explanations. And then you want to augment that with like nuances that can be discovered out of data that that make those models more effective, right? And so, so a lot of time, a lot of what we do is is sort of a knowledge transfer from engineers or operators to our um, you know our data science professionals, which then uh, look to sort of close the gaps or go the last mile with an analysis that's derived empirically out of historical data. And when you bring those things two things together effectively. You know, that's what helps you achieve these superior, uh, like digital twins of a physical system and superior levels of control. I'm Mike Lochran, and you're listening to the Management Perspectives Podcast.
you're enjoying the Management Perspectives podcasts and want to learn more, join us on LinkedIn and take the next steps on your digital transformation journey. those kind of challenges there and, and some of the things you mentioned around the trends and some of the things that have been applied at the moment if if an executive sat in a room and said some of this resonates you know i i have this i have some of the conditions to make this exist but as john said some of these conditions don't exist within my my facility or my plant or my my stream of plants if someone sat you down jordan and said jordan where where would i start with this what would you say to them yeah, I mean, the the first thing that that I would say is let's look at where you have the 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 greatest relative opportunity for return on investment, right? So let's look at where your you know your most distinct bottlenecks are, be it in mixing or extrusion or building or or curing, and let's focus where there's like an opportunity horizon for improvement, right? So you don't you don't want to focus in an area where you have very limited disturbances and very limited deviation from spec, limited downtime, et cetera, right? You want to focus um, where, where the, you know, the, the opportunity lies, right? Um, the second thing is um, you, you need to be, you need to be very serious about adding comprehensive and an automatic data collection capabilities, right? And, it, it, you know, and, and doing that as soon as possible, right? Because the, the ability for you to gather historical data that explains the performance of your system according to different states and circumstances and how it performs according to different disturbances that occur, that data is, is invaluable, right? And, and the, the, the sooner that you can develop a sufficient amount of it and a sufficient diversity of it, the better off you're going to be. Um, and then, and then, you know, the third thing is like to the extent that you have any data, which you know, the majority of tire manufacturers or manufacturers in general do now, um, you want to you want to start treating the production engineering process uh, in in a little bit of a different way, right? In in kind of this augmentation way, as Gartner describes it in the roadmap, and that means augmenting traditional engineering based control engineering concepts with modern uh, data-driven machine learning um, methodologies that can, you know, give you better insight and better understandings of these like highly non-linear, multi-variable systems, right? And, and and make that a systemic aspect of your workforce. That that either means hiring people that have both of those skills, or temporarily engaging with a with a third party of some sort that they can that can bring those skills to your organization. Right. I think those three things are the best way to get started immediately. Brilliant. And and John, anything to add to that? No, no. I I think for me, it's it's about the 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 data. You know, just to underline that that point is making sure that you've you've got that um, in a good quality and consistency um, that it, it'll then allow you know the the development of the of the algorithms uh, of the machine learning control um, that we've been talking about, um, and then to do that consistency, it's really really key. Um, and this is why you know we what we think you know the opportunity for the tire industry 
is is to focus on the areas where there's there's good automation now um, because our experience is the data is of a higher quality if you start to get off into the space of what we would call transactional processes so integrating um, uh, a little bit more with the production planning process that 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 has a little more uh, human coverage on it less is less automated is very transactional right in the planning process um, we often find that the data um, uh, through those processes it doesn't have the consistency and quality that we need and the reason actually is is uh, founded on on the way the process is being run there's workarounds um, uh, there's uh, inconsistencies in the ERP systems, et cetera. So we believe that there's a period of time that that all needs to come up to speed um, um, and get fit, as it were. Um, but but there's absolute opportunity at the machine level um, to to do this. Uh, as, and, and the re reason we say that is we're, we're doing it today. Brilliant. I mean, that, to me, this has been absolutely fascinating. And it highlights the level of innovation we can expect to see in this space over the coming years and decades. And I don't just think it applies against the tire industry. There, there are there are many commonalities in other industries which, which this could be applied against and require the same foundational infrastructure and requirement for data. So many things can be applied, not just in the tire industry, but, but in other industries. So uh, to, to kind of round us off for this, I, I just want to give you guys a bit of an open mic and say are there any messages that you'd like to leave our listeners with crucial kind of what would be a number one thing um yeah I'll, I'll say you know kind of what i said uh in hanover is you know our suggestion to the tire industry is 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 you know take advantage of this um you do have the basis to move forward uh with this we are seeing the results um and uh we we think that it's it's an excellent opportunity uh for the improvement of the performance of your business so we kind of tongue-in-cheek say what, what's taking you so long get let's get let's get going here um is is probably my my message uh out of this um and i'm sure jordan has some thoughts yeah absolutely i i, I mean i think my recommendations are very much in the same vein right i mean these the, the, this this has essentially been proven um, with with a with enough you know data points to to you know like rationally motivate any tire executive to take it seriously, and you know the consequences of this are you know pretty far reaching, right? So it's first you know for its greater um, productivity and net tire output, which is sort of the main economic function that we're looking for here, but it's also less reliance on manual labor that is increasingly difficult to even acquire in the first place or or even or or retain once you've acquired them right so um i think you know the bottom line is the transitions in technology that we're already seeing in other spaces like in the in the it and software development world where um concepts like machine learning and ai are beginning to you know take shape as like alternative mechanisms to traditional programming these are now taking shape in the OT world, right? And that's just sort of a natural progression that we've already observed time and time again. And now it's happening in a new way around um, the, the space of automation. And so for those of those of you that are that are interested or motivated to improve automation results, this is a, a great way to think about it. John, Jordan, many thanks for your time. 
and, and, and thanks to the listeners for joining this episode I'm, I'm sure you've found it as fascinating and as insightful as I have you've been listening to the Management Perspectives podcast please follow me Mike Lochran on LinkedIn and Twitter where I publish all of my podcasts and blogs if you enjoyed the podcast please rate and review us as this really helps the show